and welcome to Making It to the Mic, a podcast about how different voice actors got to where they are today. I'm your host, Stephanie Pam Roberts, and this week's guest is Zanya Sala. Zanya is a bilingual voice actor based in Miami who works in several genres, including promos as the voice of the Hispanic network Unimas. We talk about how she went from being a contestant on a singing competition TV show to a corporate job to voiceover, and what it's like to be on call for promos. So let's jump in. Here's my conversation with Zanya Sala. Hi, Zanya. How are you today? I am good. How are you, Stephanie? I'm good. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today and sharing your story with us. It is my pleasure. I can't wait to dive in. So, all right, let's do it. So I would love to start by asking you to tell us about your journey. How did you make it to the mic and what did you do before voiceover? So it's, of course, like a lot of people, it's a very uh, strange story um, how I got to be a voiceover actor. But that was not my goal in life, I guess. Um, However, it was to be a singer. And I started singing when I was very young in Puerto Rico. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. And my, my first language is Spanish. And over there, I attempted to go for a musical career. I went to Berkeley College of Music when I was in college and... Prior to that, in Puerto Rico, I had done jingles and a few shows here and there singing, but nothing too, like, aggressive, I would say. It was just more like a hobby and doing things here and there. And once I got to Berkeley, I was like, okay, let's let's make this work. Let's make this into a career. So I studied um, musical performance and songwriting. And then right in the middle of my college uh, journey... I auditioned for a reality show in Puerto Rico called Objetivo Fama. And it's just the the same concept as American Idol. American Idol was on its second season back in the day. I loved American Idol in those early days. It was first Kelly Clarkson. That was season one, the winners. Second was Ruben Studdard. And after Ruben Studdard, that's when Puerto Rico had its reality show. And I auditioned there. And I had auditioned for American Idol as well in New York while I was there and got pretty far. I got to audition in front of Paula and Randy and Simon, and that was pretty cool. Is there a video? Yeah. Do I have the video? Actually, no. I, it never aired. Was it videotaped? Yes, but I never saw it. Like, I never made it to air because I was pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, there's. I feel like there's probably so many amazing, amazing people, but for whatever reason, they didn't have the right story or the right who knows what, and then those people don't make it. But I, I love that you did make it so far. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and it was pretty, it was a really good experience. Like, it just, it didn't feel right from the very beginning, to be honest. Not out of nerves or fear or anything like that. It's just, it, it just didn't feel right to be there. My intuition was just like, I don't know. But I made it to LA. Like I even, I was flown to LA. I, I did the audition there and then got caught in the first round. But um, when the audition for the Puerto Rican American Idol, uh, Objetivo Fama show came up, I was like, this feels right. For some reason, it just makes sense. Um, and I auditioned for that and I got into the show. And then I auditioned, I, I stayed on the show. It was 13 weeks long and I stayed nine weeks. <gasps> it was so much fun. And I had the time of my life, but I also knew that this sort of thing has a beginning and it has an end. Because of that show, and the reason why I mentioned that show is be- is how I started 
doing voiceover because after the show, I got hired by the television network that was running it, which is Univision, to host two on-air shows on camera. One of them was for kids and the other one was for, you know, like an Access Hollywood type of thing, like top videos and gossip. And while it was fun... I was also acting and they asked me to be like super animated all the time. Very Latino. Yes, we're here today. La 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 la. (laughs) And I was just like, oh, my God, this is just not my personality. And even on the reality show, too, I used to hang back. I wasn't too loud. I wasn't too boisterous. I had a good voice. It wasn't the best. It also wasn't the worst, you know, kind of mid range there or average and I was just like, I just I just enjoy singing. I love it very much. And this started the whole process of me understanding where the direction and was going as far as singing. And long story short, for me, singing is a hobby. Like, it just makes me happy. And the moment I attach singing or associate singing to career and life, like my job, solely my job, it doesn't feel right. Wow, what an interesting thing to realize. Yeah, and it was very hard to detach myself from that dream because that's what I thought I was going to do my entire life. But I like to do it for myself. Like it, It's therapy. It's therapeutic for me. So when I do those shows, those live shows, part of the show is to do promos for the show. So that's when I start doing, I did some promos and some commercials associated and related to the sponsors of the show. So that's when I did voiceover for the first time. And I remember going into the studio um, right there at Univision and saying, the guys, the producers like, okay, this is the script. Take your time. It's okay. They, they knew. I told them it's my first time doing this. And I was like, no, you'll be fine. So I knocked it out in like 15, 20 minutes. And they were like, wow you're really good at this. You're like a natural. I'm like, oh, really? So I left. And then a couple of weeks later, I get the paycheck. And I'm like, is this correct? Like, Is this the amount that I'm supposed to be getting? Like, what is this? But at that point, I kept going for my singing career because I had had such a high from the reality show that I was like, okay, maybe this is my goal. And I was still confused. And I was battling between what my intuition was telling me and what my brain was telling me and what my environment was telling me. So I still went for the singing. Eventually, I went back to Berkeley. I, I, I needed to get out of Puerto Rico. I felt like that's what I needed to do, and I did. I didn't like the fame aspect of fame <laughs> and singing and being, uh, I mean, everywhere I went, people knew who I was, and that was very strange to me. Especially from the like anonymity of voiceover too, like going to that. Exactly. So, so I went back to Berkeley. I finished there, and then I moved to Miami and found a job here at MTV. But you know, administrative in the offices and recession hit. Like I was trying, I was still working on my music career. And after several years, the music career wasn't. It was just not happening. And I'm like, why is this not happening? Why is this not happening? And I decided to just take a break and not take a break, but like first analyze what are the things that I like and what are the things that I don't like about singing and about, and when I say singing, I mean, there's everything from like songwriting and gigging around and looking for musicians and meetings and shopping your demos. 
and these are singing demos to publishers or record labels or doing it on your own and how much does it cost to doing it on, on your own and mm-hmm. you know it's it's a lot a lot a lot i just said i'm going to take a break i'm going to step back and see how i feel i'm going to take a year to think this through and the moment i made that choice i felt like a huge weight was lifted off my shoulders and that's when i knew i'm like okay I can't do singing alone. Like, I can't just dedicate my life to that. I feel like I need to do something else. And then, um, I so I stayed at my corporate job for nine years. And eventually I, I got married. I had my kids. And when I had my kids, I'm like, the corporate job isn't working for me. Um, but singing also wasn't working for me. So what can I do? And that's when voiceover came back to my head. I'm like, oh my God, I remember doing this. I remember that it was fun. It felt natural. It felt good and it paid well. And most importantly, I can carry the lifestyle of being at home, Mm -hmm. being with my kids and not being famous and not having people see me. So I'm like, I think I'm going to give this a go. And that's when it all started. I dove in head first, without knowing what this was, on my own, uh, listening to podcasts, uh, reading blogs, asking around. And five years later, six years later, I'm still doing this and being a parent at the same time. And I love it. I feel like we have so many overlaps in our story, but I was in the musical theater world and I loved it until I didn't. Like, it was kind of like there were a lot of similarities between that feeling of like, I really, really want to do this, but it's not fun anymore. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good. And I missed the like joy of just singing to sing or like performing to perform. And I always said, I can't put on a full scale musical by myself. So I had a hard time finding the joy because I was like, I don't even know what to do with this. And how long did it take you to like make that transition or figure that out? That's a great question. It was a while. It was a while. I did a show at the end of 2008 and I got my equity card and I thought like, this is it. Next stop Broadway. And then I proceeded to not work at all in 2009. And through that whole year, it was like, but this is what I do. This is what I've always done. This is what I really want to do. By the end of that year, it was like, I've spent a lot of time being very upset, very emotional. What else can I do? And that's when I found voiceover and sort of made that same switch of like, oh, I like this. This feels good to me. And I always joke that when my daughter, she's about to turn five, when she's a little bit older and like in school and settled into, you know, whatever her activities are, that I just want to do like a community theater musical. I just wanted to be like a bunch of people just like messing around and having fun and remembering like the joy of theater and performing because that's what I miss about it. But I don't miss all the other yucky stuff. I totally get it. You've probably heard of Elizabeth Gilbert. So she wrote a book called Big Magic. It's been on my list for a long time. I really need to get it. So it's really good. And one of the things that really resonated from that book is that she dives into what it takes to be in a fulfilling job. And one of the things is if you're willing to eat the, and I'm not going to say profanity, but um, if you're willing to eat the poop sandwich (laughs) that comes along with your job, then you're in the right place. 
Mm. And that's one of the things from voiceover. I'm like, I would still do it, even though sometimes clients are not, you know, the best or they just don't understand or rates, rate guides. And it's, it's that can be so convoluted at times. Um, I would still do this. And I'm in promos, like promos, the turnaround time for promos right now for me can be like two hours and, and I'm on the road, you know, and this urgent, urgent because I work specifically for one channel um, and I'm the voice for that one channel. So this is it. Like I'm I do everything except sports and news for this channel Unimas. It's a, a sister channel from Univision, which somehow I ended up back at Univision. I don't know, full circle moment maybe. But they're like, we need this urgent. We're going back to the edit bay. They changed everything. And we need this one line. And I'm like, okay, let me get out of the Little Mermaid ride at Disney and send that file, which actually happened. Tell us more about that. I, I went on a family trip. That's one of the things. Like, I get the flexibility that I want. Like, I can go on the road, but I always have my Apogee hype mic with me that I can hook up to either my laptop or my phone. And in this particular case, we were at Disney and it was a weekday and they changed a script. They changed the the time of a show that was going to go on air. And it was that same weekend. Promo needed to go out immediately because of the change. And <laughs> on the Little Mermaid ride and... Ariel is right in front of me and I get a text message and I look down. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got to run. So <laughs> after that was done, I ran to the car and recorded at the car because, of course, cars are amazing to record in. And I came back and it took me about an hour. Wow. That's amazing. I feel like we always hear these stories. It's like, I don't know, like voiceover legend, the, the promo people who have to record in three seconds flat in their cars. But you actually lived it. I love that. I love that you shared that. And I remember listening to a podcast of Leo Boss and they were talking about promos and how demanding it is. And I was like, oh, I will never do promos. Please, that's too much. I want flexibility and uh, some sort of uh, predictability in my life. <laughs> and then, nope, I'm in promos. And it's honestly, like, I love it so much. And I like short form. So with the promos, I'm curious, I've had a couple other guests who have done them, but we haven't sort of dove into the uh, someone who is the voice of a network. So how do you approach all these different scripts? Like I'm assuming you get, you know, scripts for shows that are more geared towards, you know, like gardening or something, you know, like how do you approach the different types of shows? Like is there or or do they want it to just sort of all sound the same because it's the same network? That's a very interesting question because when I started, they literally I literally walked into an office. I was introduced to the main seven producers because there are more and there are editors. And they were like, hi, I, I do telenovelas. I do movies. I do game shows. I do the love game show. I do somebody else does the com competitive game shows. Um, and I'm like, oh, great, wonderful. And they're like, well, no, we'll just we'll give you some gui guidance over email. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be directed for every promo is saying no you're on your own and I'm like oh interesting okay that's fine I can do this so at first it was odd because I didn't know how 
they wanted to do this. They would say, yes, this is competitive. So just take a competitive tone and energetic and aggressive and serious. And I'm like, oh, okay. But you don't see the promo. They're building the promo as you go. And there's only so much that the script can give you. If the script is all serious, like say for, and and this actually happened, there's a competition show that it's about couples competing against other couples. And some of these couples end up fighting and end up getting like they they break up and some of them are get closer together some of them hook up with others like it's really strange the strange dynamic that happens and I don't see most of these shows like I don't have time to sit down and watch all of these shows so I'm really guiding myself by the script and whatever guidance and direction I get through email Um, and when I read scripts through sometimes I'm thinking oh this is straight through competitive aggressive but then i'll get an email that says yes but we're putting like some like loony music in the background because mm. even though the script is talking about competitive and you can't do this and you can and you're it looks aggressive they're like no we're making it sarcastic so you have to sound sarcastic and i'm like oh okay mm, interesting so there oh man so it, it can be a little confusing so i ask i always ask i'm like if I don't get a clear idea of what it is. I'll always ask. And these people, the editors and producers and I, like now we've talked through like text message or WhatsApp because it's so quick that I'm just like, okay, just want to make sure that this is the tone. Yep, that's correct. Good. Boom. And usually it's 24 hours that I have to hand in work, but that's usually how it goes. And telenovelas, it's the same thing. You think it's, you know, the dramatic telenovela, but some of them are, they just want it to sound romantic, like super romantic. And that's, the that's the direction that or the tone that I do but you know it 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 varies and I just throughout the years it's been three years I've adapted and I get to know the producers and I think that's the most important thing because they all the relationship I have with those producers because they already know they already know and like okay this is the tone we're going to take for this this is the tone we're going to take for that and I'm like okay I got you that's so interesting. And then have it has it ever happened where you send it in and, and they're like, Mm-mm, we don't like it. Try again. Or is it just like they make it work and you, you know, you do your best to to really take those notes in the emails? Oh, yeah, it's happened for sure. It doesn't happen that much. And the reason I believe it doesn't happen that much is because of time constraints, mm-hmm. um, because there are days where. I just I can't nail it for whatever reason. I'm just like, oh, my God, I don't feel like this is working, but I have to hand it in. So you just like you ship it. (laughs) You know, it's not my best work, but I have to ship it. Right. So I do. And sometimes it comes back. Sometimes it doesn't. But um, most of the time it doesn't. Thank God, (laughs) because I do. I feel like I already do have a really good idea of what they want and I deliver And I always make sure reading the script is so important, like full through even the bites that are happening and the direction of the graphics, like all of that is important. And I think that's such a great lesson, too, because I feel like nowadays that everybody's really auditioning on their own for everything. I feel like I have very much gotten into the headspace sometimes if I'm especially if I'm having like a day where I just feel like I can't. I can't get it for whatever reason. I'm like, oh, I wish I had a director because that's what really would happen. And I could definitely give them what they want if there was a director. But it's interesting to hear like at the highest level of promos, there is no director. So either way, we have to learn that skill. Yeah, you do. And ultimately, and I feel like maybe you would 
definitely understand this because it goes with every single audition that we submit. You can give them exactly what they're asking for, but ultimately the tone of your voice, the way that you speak, what what is natural, that plays a huge role in them choosing you, right? Of course, there are ways that you can finesse mm-hmm. and um, modulate your voice and all of that. But ultimately, I remind myself with promos, I'm like, okay, they chose me. And of course, there's a psychological and, and you're a factor to it and insecurities sneak up every once in a while. Um, but I'm like, okay, you can't take auditions personally. Like, you just have to ship it and that's it. They might, might not choose you and that's okay. You can't take it personal. You just have to do it. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. Yeah, I I will say in the early days, it felt very much like everything hung on each audition. And now it's like sometimes my husband will be like, oh, how are your auditions? I'm like, I don't even know. They're done. I sent them. I have no idea. (laughs) Or I'll be like, oh, I booked something. And you'd be like, oh, what's it for? I'm like, I don't know. I got to go back and look because I sometimes send so many throughout the week that I try so hard not to really internalize them. And so then when they when luckily a job does come in, I'm like, oh, wait, did I, when did I do this? Oh, two months ago? Mm, I don't even remember that. I totally get it. Yeah, that's exactly what happens to me. So I'd love to know what your um, first home studio was like, because, I mean, I guess you were like in the entertainment industry, but did you have any equipment as a singer that you were able to carry over? No. I started out in a closet like a lot of people. Right now, I'm in a Studio Bricks booth, which is wonderful. Amazing. Um, but I, I started with an, <laughs> with an SM57 microphone which is a stage mic and uh, a little tiny recording I don't even know what it was uh, that my brother used to have to record sounds outside of his house uh, or outside because he's a sound designer and he lives across the street from where I live he's like do you want to try this and I'm like well whatever works and that's how I started submitting auditions and I started on one of the websites for voiceovers I was it voices I think I started on voices.com and I did I didn't know anything anything and I was just like let me just try this and it's very unlike my personality to just risk everything and go for it like I feel like I need to be very prepared to do things but voiceover felt so right that I'm like I'm just gonna do it because if I don't do it I'm never going to and I want it and I need it because I was also going through motherhood, like the beginning stages of motherhood at that time. Oh, it's so tough. So hard. So I was like clinging onto everything that I had left that felt like me because I had lost myself in the whole motherhood intro to motherhood game. <laughs> um, and I was like, I need something for myself. I need something for myself. And I'm going to do this because if not, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. And it just felt very urgent for me. So I dove in, I went into voices.com or voices one, two, three. And I was just like, I'm submitting and submitting and submitting and submitting. I think I was averaging about eight auditions a day during nap time, during my child's nap time. And I started a part time. Lo and behold, three years later, I'm no longer on casting sites. I guess I don't depend on them solely. Um, I I think I will go back eventually when when promos is over. But this takes up so much of my time that um, I had to let go of something. And that just felt like what I had to let go of. But um, and now I have agents and I, I've, I've gotten to know a lot of people in production houses and studios. So I get a lot of additions through there. But 
my marketing always is always like shifting. Um, and I know that there are people that don't like the casting websites and, and that's okay. Not everybody has to like them, not, but you have to do what works for you. Um, but just make sure you don't depend on one avenue of work solely because it can all go in the matter of seconds. <laughs> yeah. I started on Voice 123 and I'm still on it and I'm, I'm very open about it. I It's something I use every day. I still book a ton of clients. I have some of my best repeat clients from there, from years past. So, you know, it's still working for me and, and I'm still able to do other things. And kind of what I like about it for me and my current season of life is that I can sort of do it as I want to and I don't really feel guilty. Like when I get an agent audition, if I'm like, oh my God, I really don't have time for this today or I don't know if I'm right for this one and I, you know, start to kind of get into that headspace, I feel really guilty about not sending it back. And I and I get a lot more wrapped up in them. But the pay to play, it's sort of like if I'm having a tough week for whatever reason with, you know, scheduling or my daughter, well, if it's there and I can get to it, great. And I don't feel bad about skipping them and I don't I've I've sort of let it go, but I like that freedom. But I imagine if I was more tied to something consistent like promos, I I wouldn't have time for it and then it would just be a waste of of the money. And and that's what happened to me. That's exactly what happened to me. Because otherwise, um, at the first year that I did promos, I was still doing pay to place and I was just completely overwhelmed. So I'm like, I some something needs to I just need to I needed to re-strategize everything. I'm like, okay, what am I gonna do? What direction do I wanna do? How much time is this taking? How much time do I wanna spend with my kids? And there were days where it was mostly part-time, but there were days where it was full time. And then I mean, and then I had a second kid. So life changed completely. And um, I was like, okay, something's got to give. So I let go of what was giving me a little more stress. And that was that at that particular moment. But I was just talking to a friend. I'm like, I think I think I might go back to pay to plays at some point. I feel like my time in promos specifically with this channel, there is an end date. I don't know when that's going to be. But they could do a light switch campaign at any point. At any point, and they're just like, okay, yeah, we're 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 done. We're changing voices. We're changing um, image. We're changing graphics. Everything's changing. So we're gonna make a switch, and that could happen at any at any time. But um, but I love it though. <laughs> I love this, and I love that in this career you can do that sort of thing. You can cross promote on different platforms. You can use LinkedIn. You can use Instagram. It's so fantastic. And you can find clients everywhere because I've found clients through LinkedIn. Word of word of mouth is still the best one. Ex-coworkers from MTV, my ex-coworkers from another job that I have from that, the the people that I worked with on the reality show, um, they've reached out as well. I'm like, oh my God, this is actually working. I think that's what I like about voiceover, too, is so much of it is out of our control, but a lot of it is in our control. If you've got like two hours of time and there's no auditions, you can fill that with something else. And it can be up to you if you want to do a bunch of Instagram posts or you want to do, you know, a LinkedIn campaign or just spend some time Googling, you know, local production companies. Mark Scott has a great course. I don't I'll link it in the show notes. I don't remember the name of it, but it's something about like. 101 ways to find voiceover leads. 
And it's great because some of them, he's like, I know this one's a little crazy, but does your town have a local parade? Buy a float in the local parade. I'm like, that's absurd. But also maybe for somebody who's, you know, like living in a smaller town that would give you a lot of recognition to local businesses. That's awesome. Yeah. And Mark Scott is great. I took his LinkedIn course and it's fantastic. And he has a podcast, too. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's strictly uh, talking about business, the business aspect of voiceover, which is 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 really, really refreshing to hear, actually, because I'm like, oh, I haven't heard this perspective. And I, I like him. I like him very much. That was a really good resource for me when I be- began. VO Boss was another good resource. There were blogs out there that I cannot remember right now what their names were, but you can Google anything. And the GVAA um, rate guide also helped me. I, I mean, rates are so complicated. And I work in Latin American countries as well. So, oh man, it varies. And a lot of it, being a bilingual actor, you have to adapt to the way other countries work. Right, right. A lot of them communicate through WhatsApp. They don't pay in net 30 or net 60. They pay like net 90 or things like that. And it's okay. I think as long as you are okay with just doing right and good business, like being kind, I think that's what's helped me a lot. Um, I've, I never shy away from saying, hey, <laughs> you haven't paid is it okay? Could you send it this week? Whatever. Um, and they send it as long as you've always been kind through the process. They respect. They res- your, the clients respect you. And having good business ethic is, is so important. And that I feel like you might have the greatest voice in the world. But if you don't have the business ethic and you can't follow through and you're not nice, then it's not going to get you far. Success is divided up into many little pieces. And at at least for me, I know I've done a lot to get me to where I am and I do feel successful and I feel like I'm at a point I can breathe and I can work and do something that I love and and you probably feel the same. But I didn't get here alone. Like there were a lot of babysitters (laughs) that helped along the way. There were a lot of um, classes. There were a lot of uh, education and just reading and sacrifices that you have to do, but it's all worth it because kindness goes a long way. Business ethic goes a long way. Handing in things on time is important. Being transparent with your word and understanding that sometimes where people come from, they don't understand what your job is or how you do it. So you have to educate and you have to be patient. And it's okay because those are the people that might end up rehiring you for a lot of other things, and especially in corporate, and you probably come across this all the time. It's not directors, marketing, uh, commercial directors, like calling you. It's the marketing people or it's the human resources people saying, hey, we need a voice for our training. Like they don't know. Right. Yeah. And I think if you come from a performing background, that can be frustrating sometimes because you're in sessions and they're like, could you just make it like... um what? Tell me any any words, any adjectives that you can think of. And sometimes I ask them to say it themselves because they're like, can we just hear it like up? And I'm like, can you maybe demonstrate what you're hearing? Because that, that always helps me. But but yeah, you're right. There's kindness goes so far in everything in life. 
you know, if you go in kind of feeling like I really want to do a great job, I really want to be super nice, super easy to work with, give them what they want, be fast so that they can call you back. Yes. And that's what agents look for. That's what directors look for, especially the being easy to direct and easy to work with is so is such a selling point for agents and for directors that you have you have to be on it, too. And you have to be able to understand what they're telling you. And if you don't understand what they're telling you, ask, feel comfortable, feel comfortable in asking, because I had this client once that kept telling me, I need you to sound like a blogger. What did that mean? Exactly. I still don't know (laughs) what that meant. And it was um, a tutorial video for like some DIY content about painting and redoing furniture. And I was I voiced it very, okay. so now we're going to do this and natural because I kept asking, what does a blogger sound like? It's like, no, like very fun and young. And I'm like, oh, okay. And months later, I go up to the website and it was they ended up not using my voice and they used somebody else. I mean, I got paid for the session and everything, but they used somebody else's voice. And it was the most industrial, straightforward, monotone voice you could have asked. And and of course, I don't, I don't know what happened. And that's OK. Things change. But I was like, wow, that it was not what I was being asked to do. <laughs> right. In a similar funny story, I booked a job. Um, it was supposed to be a very large e-learning job. And I there was like a production company and then the client. And I said, you know, I'd love to send you a sample to make sure that, you know, I'm going in the right direction before I record all of this because it was supposed to be on my own. And I sent the sample and they were like, mm, we don't love it. And I was like, OK, let's jump on a Zoom call because I have found that going back and forth over email really only gets you so far. We jumped on a Zoom call, and on the Zoom call, it became very, very clear to me that I was not the voice that they wanted. And it was really uncomfortable because nobody wants to feel that in the moment, especially with, like, a large project and a deadline. And I was very proud of myself because I was very honest. And I was like, can you demonstrate? Like, I'm not sure, you know, what you're thinking. And she was sort of saying, like, you know, I'd love this sentence to go up and this sentence to go down. And I was thinking, like, this is 10 hours of recording. There's no way I'm going to nail each inflection that she has in her head. Um, And in the end, they let me go. And I was sort of relieved because I felt like it was going to be that push and pull the whole time of, like, actually, we really don't want this. We want this other thing. But now we're stuck with her. And what do we do? So And, and sometimes you can tell, like, I've had to do that, too. And it's not easy. But at some point... You just know, you feel it in your core. And I remember this one time I was doing, it was all corporate, um, corporate trainings and corporate explainers and whatnot for this insurance company. And then they they come up with a commercial that's going to go out on local television. And they're like, can you do it? And, and the entire conversation through email was strange, like prior to that. But it was very straightforward what they wanted. I gave it to them, handed it on time, got paid, done. Then they come out and say, we want you to do this local uh, commercial for this amount of money. And it was very low. And I'm flexible with rates, depending on, of course, like distribution for how long, the terms and conditions and everything. But there are times where you just see that number and you're like, oh, man, no. And then 
remembering the conversations that we had had through email, I'm like, do I really want to go through this again with these people for, for this? Right. And then I said, I said, thank you, but no, my rate is this. Um, and they were like, no, we have someone else that will do it for the amount that we told you, but they're not your voice. And since you've been voicing everything, we would like it to be the same and maintain the image. And I'm like, well, if you want to maintain the image, I, I respect that and I would love to do it, but this is my rate. This is the minimum that I would do this for. And I'm sorry if that's not something that you agree with, but this is what I do and this is what that sort of content pays in Miami. And they were like, okay, no, we're going to choose the other person. And I'm like, okay, sometimes you just have to let it go. It's fine. Yeah. And I guess, you know, you have to be okay with that, whether it's your call or theirs, because that's just the business, unfortunately. And it is such a hard pill to swallow. It, sometimes they make it easy because you're like, oh, I think I dodged a bullet there. Yes, exactly. That's exactly how I felt after, afterwards. And luckily, it doesn't happen often. Yes, agree. Um, I think that in time, you get a pretty good sense of what would work and what doesn't. And sometimes, especially when you see descriptions on pay to plays and people are allowed to write their own notes, sometimes by just reading those notes, you can avoid like a disaster. Sometimes the most detail is the most is going to be the hardest to work with because clearly they want something very specific and very particular and you may or may not be it in the end. And yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a good point. Yeah. And that's why paying attention to, to those notes and all these specs is very, very important because you can immediately say, OK, no, this is not me. <laughs> and don't waste your time. <laughs> right, right. Because our time is very valuable. So I'd love to talk a little more about your experience as a bilingual talent. When you started, were you mostly focusing on just one language or the other? Or did you sort of jump in to both right from the beginning? So at the beginning, I jumped into both because I just I didn't know if I should go in one direction or the other. And since I started on voices, it was mostly English. There were some Spanish but it was mostly English. But because I had to be strategic, I'm like, well, the pool of talent auditioning for English is way larger than the ones for Spanish. So I'm going to tackle Spanish first. So I got a lot of work in Spanish at first through the pay to plays. And what ended up happening is that in the pay to plays and outside of it, because I spoke both language, I would be cast for what for Spanish. And then they would say, well, we're doing the same in English. And I'm like, well, I can do the English as well. They're like, oh, OK, we, we were thinking of another talent. But if you can do both of them, then that'd be better because we have the same voice all throughout. And I'm like, yep, absolutely. So I ended up doing both languages for mostly corporate content early on. And just because they wanted to keep the uniform voice all throughout. So that has played in my favor. Um, but I, yeah, from the very beginning, it was both languages. And I've, I've attempted um, in the middle of all of this to say, like, should I just go to one language or the other? I'm like, no, no, I have twice the chance of getting work with with both. Right. So and it's worked. It's it's really worked. And now I'm doing I started doing more dubbing content and animation, which I'm thoroughly enjoying. 
but I'm still rusty in it. And I'm doing more English because a lot of the dubbing content in Spanish is done in Mexico, in Mexico or Colombia. I love, I love switching back and forth. It's difficult. And I do a lot of um, IVR phone systems stuff in Spanish and English. I thank my upbringing for, <laughs> for um, my, my parents helping me learn English and Spanish simultaneously. I really do speak Spanglish at this point, but it's helped me a lot. It's helped me a lot. And my agents as well. Like they'll say to their clients, my agent, I say agents because in the past I've had more than one, but now I have just one. Because again, I had to scale back because of promos. It was, it was becoming a lot. And I was like, oh my God, I need to cut back on, on certain things. And my agent, she helps me out. She's like, she does English too. So it's, it, it, has, it has worked in my favor. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that I don't speak any other languages. And I, and I love that, that you sort of jumped in to both because you were obviously like an expert in both. And so why not? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's crazy how insecurities kick in when you least expect it. I'm like, oh, my God, should I do both? Should I do just one? But it, it, it has worked for me. And the singing, actually, I've the singing comes in every once in a while. It doesn't happen all the time. Um, but I recently voiced some kids singing voices for, yeah, for a series called Plim Plim um, in English. I honestly don't even know where it's airing, <laughs> but I did that. And doing children's content is so satisfying and gratifying. I really enjoy it, but I don't sing much nowadays. I know we had mentioned before, and I'd love to to talk about it now, like how do you feel like your skills as a singer, obviously a very strong singer, kind of play into voiceover. I, I do a lot of um, intro to voiceover workshops for college students and high school students. And I love talking to the BFA kids who are musical theater majors because I'm like, here's all the skills that you take for granted or that you think are only applicable to musical theater, but here's how they work in voiceover. Here's how they, they transfer over. And I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Yeah, there are so many skills that are transferable. Like, for example, voice technique. Like, no one can take that away from you. I trained classically in voice and breathing. And that has taken me so far because breathing is such an important part of voiceover. And you can breathe from your, you breathe from your diaphragm. You open up your mouth. Vocal placement is so important. Um, that can define tone immediately and whisper or loudness or openness um first and foremost vocal technique the actual physical work of your voice and where it's coming from is such a huge transferable skill from singing it's going to help you so much because you're going to know when to pause and how to do it strategic in a way that will benefit you and the text that you're reading um, phrasing when you sing, it's the it's not the same. Obviously, you're singing and there's a melody, and there's no melody in in text. But 
there is a rhythm. You do go up and you go down in tone. And there are words that you need to emphasize just like you do when you sing. So you have to focus on what the message is behind the text that you're reading and what words am I going to emphasize? Am I going to go up? Am I going to go down? Is this a romantic text? Am I doing it whispery? Are you long acting skills as well? Are you longing for someone? Like your entire body goes into what most people say, oh, you read for a living. No, I don't. (laughs) Right. Everything, my entire body, my brain, like everything goes into it. So there are so many skills that can be transferred over. Maybe they come natural to you. Maybe you had to practice and practice and practice to make those skills just so strong in your body and and in your work. But they are so helpful when you're doing voiceover and you don't notice until you actually start doing it like oh my god I can do this oh my god I can um, phrase this the way in a way that it sounds more subtle it sounds more uh, aggressive I was surprised to learn how much of what I learned in school or in my vocal training transferred over. Yeah. I feel like there are things that I do and like halfway through, I'm like, oh, that's because I sing. Not that you have to sing to be a voice actor, but it definitely, if if that's a skill that you possess, or even if you play a musical instrument, that's something that you can use in your, in your deliveries, in your, in your, you know, research and phrasing and in the text that you're working on. Absolutely. And anything. And even if you work corporate like I did, there are so many skills from corporate that I uh, transferred over because you're, you're still running a business. You know, you still have to manage expectations. You have to manage people. You have to manage communication. You have to manage so many other things. Time. You have to manage your time. Time is one of the most important things. How you use that time. Everything is transferable. And the another resource and another person that helped me in this whole process when I began was Marie Forleo. Her thing is everything is figure outable. Like it doesn't matter what you're doing, what your goal is, every you can figure everything out. And she has a no fear approach, but strategic and and just beautiful in the sense that you have to be you when doing all of this. Like don't pretend to be anybody else. Use other people as examples. Like learn from them, but ultimately. It doesn't matter what you end up doing in life. You have to be yourself. And it's only, I only have my voice. No one else has it. And you have a message to, to bring to this world and you have a purpose. So what? let's figure out what that is. Yeah. So I'd love to wrap up with just sort of your favorite piece of advice to give to people who are just starting out and maybe that plus a bonus piece of advice for people who may or may not be starting out in voiceover in general, but really want to get into promos. I'm I'm a person that's way in my head at times throughout the entire process of me trying to figure out what I wanted to do in my career, figuring out motherhood, figuring out having a new home and figuring all these things out at the same time. What helped me the most was just breathing and focusing on what I wanted and what job translated into the life that I wanted. And a lot of it has to do with getting to know yourself. What makes me 
get up in the morning? Like, what is my purpose? What is that I want to do? What is the type of life that I want to live? Like, what are my goals, small and big? So once I had a pretty good idea of the life that I wanted to create for myself, then I started baby steps into that direction. I didn't know exactly how that was going to work. In doing that exercise, I was able to design a life that was perfect for me. And I shouldn't say perfect, but ideal. <laughs> and and it worked. Um, and it was baby steps. So I'm, I'm just going to start learning today. And then tomorrow I'm going to do this. And the next day I'm going to get a microphone. And I started with baby steps, but the shift in my mindset was very clear. There was a shift. I really wanted this. So once I really wanted it, then the rest came easily because it didn't feel like a job. It didn't feel like I, I wasn't scared at any moment because I had nothing to be scared of. I felt like this is what I want to do. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, great. Then I will know that I tried. And it just, it it happened. And that was not the approach that I had been taken before with either my corporate job or my singing career. This felt right. And because it felt right, and there was an urgency for me to do this because, again, I felt like I was going to lose my mind if I was solely working on corporate, solely being a mother, solely doing one thing. I needed multiple things. And it and it worked. And in knowing myself that I'm an introvert, that I don't want the fame, I don't want to be out there in front of a lot of people all the time. I need my time to myself. I want to spend it with my kids. That was the structure and the ground rules for my career to take off and it worked and as far as promos oh man what advice can I get just be open-minded when promos comes along because you are going to be pulled in many directions <laughs> uh, but you just have to understand that from the other side the producers that are asking you to do this and turn it around in two three four hours they're being asked to turn it in in two, three, four hours by someone else. And that someone else is being asked to turn it in in the same amount of time. And that's how television works. So if you understand the the way that the industry works, um, understand that that's, that's how the producers work and that's what's, well, expected of you. And if you're willing to put the time, you'll reap the benefits because, oh my gosh, it, 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 it pays well. And it's so satisfying because I do love it. And as with anything, promos or not, or life, the moment it stops being fun, it stops feeling right, then maybe it's not for you. But don't just give up right away. Like, really think about it. What are the pros? What are the cons? Why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling? And Try to look at a situation from all angles and all aspects because before you pull the plug or before you dive in, like really put some thought into things. And that's, that's I guess, my, my two cents. <laughs> two great things about that that stood out are, you know, remain flexible in all aspects of voiceover because I feel like the business is changing constantly and what might be, 
you know, you might be the voice in favor today. Everyone's like, ooh, we want a whatever, youthful, sweet conversational voice. And then tomorrow everybody might be like, actually, I want like deep voiced, gritty people. So, you know, just like staying open and remaining flexible and and what you said about just deep dives and some soul searching to, you know, to realize, is this working? Is this what I want? And kind of going from there instead of just pushing and pushing and pushing when maybe it is time for a change in either the type of work or taking a break. It's it's OK to 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 need to do that. Yeah. And it's it goes along with like impulsive people will will do that. They'll pull the plug on something. And um, I'm not I'm not the type of person that is impulsive, but I would understand why someone that is would just pull the plug and say, I'm done, I'm quitting or vice versa. And so when you're talking about your career and when you're talking about your life and your job and what you're going to be doing daily, you have to put some thought into it. Like really understand what your what your role would be in where you're going because you might not understand the industry completely. And I mean, and there's no way if you're going into a new industry, there's no way you're going to get it until you're in it. So just understand what your role is in this and understand that, yes, you have to be flexible because you do not know what is going to happen on a daily basis because not one day and is the same as the other. Not one, which is the interesting part about it, too. It's fun. It keeps it keeps it fun. But yeah, there's oh, I love I love this industry. I love my job. I love that my family understands it. They're like, mama's, mama's grabando, mama está grabando, which means mom's recording. My daughter calls it my special room. She's like, do you have to go to your special room today? I'm like, yes, I do. And I'm going to lock myself in it and not come out for it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bother me. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that with us and, and so many different perspectives on, you know, the the promo industry and what kind of drew, drew you into this business. So this was awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. And thank you so much for having me. And um, I will say that if anybody wants to stay in touch with me or reach out, I'm on Instagram, Zania Vox, Z-A-N-I-A-V-O-X. So you can reach out. Awesome. And I will I'll put that in the show notes, too, so everyone has it there. Thank you so much. That's that's awesome. And I'm yeah, any questions, I'm totally open. Thank you so much for your time, Stephanie. I really love talking to people like Zanya who have such a positive attitude about this business. I also love when multiple guests stress the same thing, that being flexible and easy to work with is an absolute must in voiceover. And what she said about transferable skills is important too. Whether that's your skills as a singer or actor if you come from that background, or skills from a previous corporate job, it's all helpful in voiceover. If you want to connect with Zanya on social media, I'm linking her website and socials in the show notes, which you can find at my website, makingittothemic.com. Please make sure to leave a review, like, and subscribe to this podcast so other voice actors out there can find it too. Thanks so much for listening to Making It To The Mic.